Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. South Africa aho. Calvin Yesterday was uh, a real feather in the cap moment for me. Um, I yesterday uh, went down with with uh, some some team members from Parachute Music. Uh, we went down to uh, the community, Mariah, the Tadeo uh, Karang, and uh, I got to um, sort of participate in my first, or sort of be welcomed onto the Mariah, uh, Mariah for the first time ever via Pofuri, which is an incredible thing. So a Mariah is not something you just walk onto. You're kind of seen as this like sort of different outside unknown entity. And so there's this Pofuri that goes down if you're unfamiliar with with it. And uh, and, and this process, you are, you are basically called and invited onto the Mariah, and it's this, it's this transition of you stepping into knowingness. And uh, it was an incredible thing. I've never got to be a part of something like that before. And we entered the Mariah, and along with uh, a bunch of other nonprofit organizations, we got to sit with prominent um, Māori leaders, and we got to talk about uh, the work that is starting to happen in the nonprofit sector that's moving towards embracing a bicultural narrative. Um, and it was just an absolutely incredible thing to see these organizations that have functioned in a very particular way, sort of earnestly and humbly standing up and going, this is what we're, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're pressing into. The, we, we want to uh, heal some of the relational wounds, the, the generational wounds that, are, that exist in this country. And we recognize that, uh, that the Tangata Whenua, the people of this land, have, have stepped wholly into the Western culture. And we think that now as we do mission, as we, as we sort of go into the areas that we, we're called to do, we recognize that, that we actually need to, that we haven't stepped over the line and we want to step into that. And so it was this incredible Correro, you know, this amazing conversation as we shared ideas and, and there was encouragement and affirmation. And for me, like I said, it was just an absolute feather in the cap moment of a year that's been filled with this whole kind of bicultural narrative. It's not just something that's that's been happening for me in my role at Parachute. It's something that has been uh, prominent for us here at Shaw Vineyard. In fact, all the vineyard churches in New Zealand for the last year have been engaged in an ongoing dialogue around uh, what it means to uh, engage uh, with Māori culture, um, to, to learn about the history to, and to actually take steps to redeem some of the, some of the more negative aspects of our history. Um, and so it, it, it's just been an incredible thing. I think um, uh, at conference this year, uh, a friend of mine who I'd never met before the beginning of this year, but, but Jay Lucas, who used to be uh, a pastor at Edge, but now he is, he's basically at the forefront of leading this, this cultural conversation, but he shared at our national conference this year. And I think it just, it just kind of got everyone's, everyone's hearts going. Um, uh, he wrote a book called Huia Come Home, which, which uh, helped educate me uh, and, and shaped some of my thoughts around this thing. Uh, meanwhile, I'm coming back and we're sitting in the office, Vic and I, and we're talking, we're 
saying, hey, we have to do a whānau series. We have to start pressing into this. Meanwhile, this last week, uh, we, just, uh, we just started a te reo course. And it's like, man, I've never done a pepiha before, but it's been so interesting to even sit down and, and, sort, of, and sort of humbly look at, at where I've been. And for a long time, even when I started this journey, I felt like as a South African, it's like, man, am I even allowed to learn te reo Māori words? Like, but actually knowing that through the story that, that we're actually invited to fully step in and fully engage with this thing. It's been an incredible year. And for me, it feels like, uh, it feels like the gardener is, is cultivating the soil, is, is, is churning up this, like, this, this dry, hard ground and, is, and is, is putting these essential nutrients into it and preparing it and scattered. And there's something that is, that is starting to, to take shape in, in our country and in our culture and uh, in our churches and in our organizations and in the businesses. There's, there's, there's something happening. Does anyone else feel it? Vic, <laughs> yeah, just a couple of gentle knots and a single solo hand flying into there. But I think that there's something significant happening. Um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, th- that it's, it's been doing something in me. And I think that actually uh, whatever's happening, there's been this little shift in my mind. And it, it, the, the more conversations I've got to be a part of, the more times I've sat and, and had food with people and, and entered into this dialogue, the more I've come to realize that I think New Zealand sits uh, in a very, within a very interesting place in history. And I think that we have a unique opportunity to model something to the world. I think for a long time, we've looked to what the church is doing in America and what the church is doing in England uh, and, and all over the place. And we've kind of taken their worship songs and we've taken their sermons and their podcasts. And actually, I think the church in New Zealand has the opportunity to model something to the rest of the world. Because, because New Zealand is like a little smaller, because our history is not as deep, because the entrenched hurt is just like not, not quite as deep. It's like we can actually go into, some, uh, go into something and move towards something. Um, and I think we could actually begin to see something happen in the next few years. And it feels like God is in the mix. It feels like the gardener is cultivating the soil. Why do I tell you all of this? Because this is a story that I'm living in at the moment. This is a story that carries truth for me. And it's not to say that, that we are the church that's forging the path. It's like, hey guys, guess what? Like we're the ones who are like the shining beacon of light to the rest of the world. That would be a silly thing to say. But I think that we get to step into this thing that's happening. It's, it's our invitation as Christians to look for the movement of God and step in and we get to step and, and fall and sort of fall in line with, with, with the whole rest of the New Zealand church as we embark and discover what, what, uh, what kotahitanga, you know, uh, uh, unity looks like as we move towards uh, something of a redeemed bicultural narrative. It's an incredibly exciting thing for me. And this is the story that, I, that has been taking shape in my, play, uh, in my life this year. And so why do I share a story? Why do I start tonight with a story? Because I think as Christians, we are called to be storytellers. We are called to tell stories. We are called to carry a story. Um, we're called to tell stories because they speak to the truth of God. 
They speak to the truth of God's character, of who God is, of what God is doing, of what God has always been doing and what God will continue to do in the future. This is what stories do. Stories reveal a truth about our humanity and who we are within that. Stories are important for us to carry. Our stories, we need to embody them. We need to be about them. We need to live them out. It's not just this thing we just share, but it's this thing we experience almost viscerally. It's like, I can't help but share this story because this story is impacting my life. Story is a critical part through all of Scripture. In fact, uh, I would say, I'd say you could basically break, break it down into two different kinds of, of stories that we see. we see. We see God's story, so that would be the stories that exist within the Scriptures. But then we also see that, that there are our stories, that there are Spirit-led Scriptures. We've just finished our Heads and Tails series, and we spoke about you know, what it meant to be uh, uh, shaped by the Scriptures, guided by the Spirit, both produce stories in our lives. Both have stories that point to the reality of God and the truth of who God is. I think it's important that we, we uh, own this thing, that we, we own becoming storytellers for the kingdom of God. So why do stories matter? There's an author uh, who some of you may know. His name's Donald Miller. He wrote books, Blue Like Jazz. Um, and and he's, uh, he, he basically works with companies now to help them tell their story because story has become such a critical part of modern society. But anyway, one of his books, he says this, um, if the point of life is the same as the point of a story, the point of life is character transformation. If I got any comfort as I set out on my first story, it was that in nearly every story, the protagonist is transformed. He's a jerk at the beginning and nice at the end, or a coward at the beginning and brave at the end. If the character doesn't change, the story hasn't happened yet. And if story is derived from real life, if story is just condensed version of life, then, uh, then life itself may be designed to change us so that we evolve from one kind of person to another. So what do stories reveal? They reveal the transformation that's going on inside of us. The stories of God and of what God is doing, they speak to the transformation of what's, what's happening inside of us. They move us from one place to another. So when I talk about my story of this year and this sort of bicultural narrative, it's not that I'm like, hey, there's this, there's this thing happening, there's this racial reconciliation happening, and isn't that cool? And then I just like, just don't make any attempt to, to connect with it at all. It's like, no, it's like as I talk about it, as I, as I become aware of it, I, I sort of get swept up in it. And somehow I'm starting to learn the language. Spirituality helps us see theology in a different light, uh, helps us draw truth from it in a different way. It's, it's there are some beautiful things that are starting to happen. You know, one of the things that the guy said yesterday is he said, would you, would you, would you learn to trust us with the things that you've, you've kind of set in stone? And would you allow us to sort of bring and give life to them? And I thought that was incredibly beautiful. So we've got to learn to like walk in, walk in partnership together. And it's the story as it unravels. It brings transformation to who we are. This is the point of any story. And what I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to invite you guys tonight to think about the stories that are happening to you. What are the stories that you're carrying? What are the stories that you are telling, whether it's sort of verbally over coffee with friends or, or loved ones? But or what are the stories that you're embodying as you go to work every day, as you go to university? Whatever it is you're doing during the day, what, what stories are you embodying? And I think that there are, there are, there are some ways we can, we can sort of help tell stories and we can sort of draw these things uh, out of the scriptures a little bit.
So how do we tell stories? Well, one of the things when I, when I opened up at the beginning was I spoke about um, how I think the guard, there's a gardener and he's churning the soil, he's cultivating something, he's pouring essential nutrients into it. And I'd call this some sort of allegory, right? There's some sort of narrative, some sort of, some sort of story. And in fact, we see this all through the scriptures where there, are, where there are metaphors and similes and these like vibrant pictures being painted with words. There's the use of apocalyptic language to communicate things of, of cosmic significance. Like this is what we see through all the scriptures. In fact, it was, it was one of the ways that Jesus was able to communicate these massive truths about the reality of the kingdom of God. And he would just kind of do it just ever so beautifully in these little stories. Here's just one. Right, Matthew 13, verses 31 to 35. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And then he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So through these parables, through this, this allegory, this storytelling, through this, this use of words to paint pictures, Jesus begins to reveal things, these sort of greater truths. It's like, it's almost like this, okay? It would be really hard to be like, hey guys, the kingdom of God is like really big and just really powerful. And I want you to imagine the biggest thing you can imagine and then just realize that it's bigger than that. You know, it's outside, you know, like, that's not captivating. It's probably just annoying. And I, don't, and I think it fails to speak to the depth, but there's something, it's like when Jesus sort of takes these radical things, a tiny bit of yeast into 60 pounds of flour, and then suddenly this thing begins to take shape. There's transformation that happens. There's, there's this sort of subversive thing. So what Jesus is speaking to, the tiny mustard seed and the tiny yeast, he says the kingdom of God is like this tiny thing that sort of comes in. It's not this imposing kingdom that comes over the top, but it's this movement of love and radical generosity and, 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 uh, and, and uh, king, uh, sort of uh, Holy Spirit breakthrough and everything that sort of moves in. It's this subversive, uh, phenomenal thing that begins to take shape and transform reality. And he says it all with like, just using the picture of yeast in a seed. And so like when I talk about like what I'm feeling and I'm, obviously like I could never just come up with like a little sort of Jesus equivalent parable on the spot, but it's like I'm sitting there yesterday and I'm going, it feels like it feels like there's a change in the soil and the soil is soft and it's being enriched and it's just so ready for some things to be planted. It's like I, like I felt that. And so I think it would, be, it would be natural for us as we're sort of aware and thinking about the stories to, to sort of see allegory come through, to see metaphor, to, to begin to try and, try and use, uh, I, I don't know, creativity to, to paint a picture and an idea of, of what it is we're experiencing. I think that would be a normal thing as we think about the stories that we're carrying. The other thing that I think, uh, that I think we see with stories is that stories anchor us right? Stories anchor us in what God is doing. 
Um, so there's this, there are these memories and experiences that come out of these stories. So we sort of talk about what's happened. And so I think about, you know, these different things through the year that have happened. And I, and I just go, man, that was significant. I'm sitting in conference listening to Jay going, that was significant. I'm sitting with Jay. This is another Jay memory, but I'm sitting having coffee with him in April. And he says to me, you know, he goes, most people think Pākehā is just about being like a European, being not Māori. But he says, you've got to understand that, that in the word Pākehā is an invitation to step into, into Māoridom and participate and, and sort of work alongside the people of this land. And I was like, man, as a South African, the word Pākehā takes on a whole new meaning. So like that's, a, that's, a, that's just a, we're just sitting at a cafe in Kingsland and I have this memory that'll stick with me forever. And it's like, I can't help but share that as part of the story or experience it as part of this unfolding story. It's like that thing happened. And then there was that conversation that happened in Christchurch. And then there was, you know, I think we'll always uh, in our church remember that when we decided to do our Fano series, we'll see that as some sort of pivotal point five years from now. We might not remember heads and tails, but maybe we'll remember Fano because it's significant. There are these memories and experiences that anchor us. First John 1 uh, verses 1 to 4 says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaimed also to you that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. <coughs> and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What we have seen and what we have heard, we testify to. And what we testify to reveals the glory of God. It points towards Jesus. It points towards the things that are happening. What we have seen and what we have heard, we share with you. We talk about to other people. So there is this story that's being carried. And it's like, and it's like man, there are incredible things. God's kingdom is happening. And this is what's going on. And so those memories and those experiences are carried. And so when we tell stories... When we carry that, it anchors us again in those memories and those experiences. We remember, we learn to hang on to those. Those things become defining and shaping things and they, they bring transformation into our lives. Are you guys, you tracking with me? I haven't lost you. We need to tell stories because the more stories we tell, the more anchored we are in what we're doing. Being anchored in our stories helps us with where we're moving towards, which brings us to, I think, the other thing storytelling does. And that is that it brings affirmation. And affirmation takes shape in different ways. I spoke last week as I spoke about community, about the importance of encouragement. Well, the affirmation of stories is that it encourages people. It's like there's something going on. It's like maybe, I don't know, maybe you guys thought it was weird I started with a pipiha. I've never done that before. Maybe you were like, I think that's something I want to try. I think Calvin needs to work at it a bit more, but maybe I'll encourage him. That's fine. That's, that's, that's encouragement as, we sh as I'm sharing the story. It's like there's encouragement that can take place. And I think also with, along with affirmation because uh, there's, this, there's this sense of prophecy. And what prophecy is, is, is prophecy is not so much future telling, but it speaks to the truth. 
It's pointing towards truth. And sometimes it's speaking towards the future truth and the future reality. And so uh, when we tell stories, there is uh, an affirmation, there's an encouragement, there's a prophetic pointing towards the things that God is doing. And it fosters a sense of hope in our lives for what is to come. We need to tell stories. And so once again, if, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys rem- even remember right at the beginning of the night when I'm telling this story, I'm sort of saying, and I think, I think God's doing something over the next few years. And I think, I think the New Zealand church and, and maybe even New Zealand as a whole gets to model something of unity and biculturalism to a world that's becoming increasingly divided. It's like I'm speaking to something. It's like I'm encouraging that. Oh, I want to be a part of that. I don't think I'll ever be the leader of it, but I, but I think that we're moving towards that. And, and, I, and I think we can encourage one another and be a part of that. It's like there's a movement of God taking place. And so we point towards those things. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 uh, verse 3 says this, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So it's like when we speak truth, when we tell the truth in these stories, what are we doing? We just can't help but encourage people and build them up, console them, support them. That's just what happens when we tell these stories. So I want to ask you, what are the stories that you're telling? Because when we tell stories, when we utilize these sorts of elements, when we think about, when we think about encouraging and affirming others, when we think about what, what, uh, what we are anchored in, what memories we're carrying and what those things are shaping in us, when we think about these sort of great, uh, great little pictures and snippets that sort of capture something bigger than, than, than our language could perhaps otherwise hold or contain. When we do that, it's like we're starting to paint a picture of, of, of what God is up to. We speak to the truth of who God is. We speak to what God is doing and what the inbreaking of the kingdom looks like in this current cultural moment. That's what stories do. And I think when we all become passionate storytellers, we discover the common threads. We make new friends and ultimately find ourselves being knit together in katahitanga in this, in this idea of unity. You know, this whole uh, korero that I was at yesterday started with, um, with them actually reading uh, from uh, Galatians 3.28, which is this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we have these, these Maori leaders saying, this is our desire, that we would all be one, and that we would all be one in Christ Jesus. Like that is their heart. And so that's where it starts from. So this is how the story kind of unfolds. And so I ask you again, what stories are you telling? And I just want to make it really clear as we sort of, as we sort of wind down a little bit uh, towards the end. I know I've spoken a lot about this racial reconciliation and this bicultural narrative, and, but, that's, but, but that's not the point of my message tonight. I think it's an important story to share and it's, it's, an, it's a story that we'll be talking about whether, you know, for the next little while, whether from the front or out in church, it's an important story. But for me, it's not the only story that I'm telling at the moment because I think that there's a lot of interesting things happening. I think the, ch- the landscape of churches is shifting and changing dramatically. Um, the other stories I'm telling, I think that there's a, new, like a, mu- 
a movement of a, a new kind of prayer and a new way of like valuing relationship and moving towards intimacy with God. Um, I think that there's, I think uh, one of the stories I'm telling is a, is a rekindled interest in the pathways of old. So people are discovering liturgy in a new way. Um, you have like worship leaders deciding that they'll just dig up old hymns, right? Rupert? Why? Because there's, there's something rich in the, in the ancient pathways. So that's a story that I'm, that I'm telling at the moment. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm developing deeper, and I reckon the story I've been humming on about for ages is, is rhythms of work and rest, and I haven't nailed it, but I'm growing in it, and I'm thinking about it a lot, and I think that this is gonna be a critical thing for our culture and for Christians in the next little while. So I'm talking, I'm talking and I'm telling stories about work and rest and what it means to live as a, as a, as a Christian and as an image bearer of a creator God. What does it look like to work and rest well? I'm telling stories about practices of gratitude. You wanna know something? If you write down three things you're grateful for every day, right? You, you'll be 25% happier. That's the scientific discovery that's just come out, right? They tracked people for a year, 25% happier, just three things a day. 25% is a lot if you feel like you're in a hole. So this is a story I'm telling, like gratitude is like this incredibly important thing that we need to incorporate into our lives because I don't think the world asks us to be grateful. I think it invites us to, to, to just take the next thing, the next way of sort of supplementing and medicating our desire for things or whatever. So there are other stories that I'm telling, other stories that I'm excited about. But it just feels like, like this year, this, this sort of racial reconciliation, this, this figuring out of, of who we are and, and what it looks like to, to do church and move towards unity in New Zealand. It just felt like a, a great story to spring from and talk about this tonight. And so what story are you telling? What stories are you living out? What stories are you celebrating? What stories are you embodying? And if you don't know, that's okay. I think that there's something really beautiful about even being able to create, like create a space with God or create a space with people and just sort of say, I don't know, but I do know that there's some things I wanna be passionate about and I wanna invite God into that story. It'd be fascinating to see what happens in that space. So what do you want the story that you're about to be? What do you want that story to look like? What stories are you telling? So I want to invite you to stand. So etu whanau. Um, <clears throat> and I and I want to just tell you a, a, just another story that comes out of Scripture, and that speaks to the truth of who God is. But Jesus is sitting at a table with his friends one Passover and. And this is like a, just a special thing for them to do, to be together in this space. And, and suddenly the, it's almost like the, the mood of the room changes. And he says, this is my, he takes the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. And then he takes this cup and he passes it around and he says, this is, this is my blood shed for you. 
And it's like, this is a, this is a, a powerful symbolic moment because he's saying the old covenant, the old ways, the ways of reconciliation, of being restored to God are being changed. That the new temple, the new point of restoration is in Jesus. It's in Him. And it's celebrated and it's symbolized and it's represented in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the wine. And that is a story that people have stepped into daily for the last 2,000 years. So sometimes we do it every week in church and sometimes we do it once a month, but tonight we get to step into that story this evening and we get to take communion together. And here's what I wanna invite you to do. As you take communion this evening, Say a little prayer together, take communion. And then just very briefly in your circle, maybe you, you sit down three or four of you. Maybe just share, just really briefly, what's a, what's a story that you're about at the moment? What story are you telling? What does that story mean to you? And I reckon, I reckon it's gonna like, it's gonna end up being some really cool conversations. So Lord, I wanna thank you for the stories that you were writing on each of our hearts. I wanna thank you for the story that you're writing in this nation and in every nation around the world, for the, for the ways that you are stirring people towards our compassion and mercy and grace, for the transformative experiences people get to have with you, for the love that people are getting to step into, for the way you are close to the broken and the oppressed and the needy and the impoverished. Thank you for your closeness to those who are hurting and suffering. Thank you that there is no story that doesn't matter to you. And Lord, we wanna just invite you or that, to come and be in the midst of our stories. Or at the very least, probably more accurately, that we would become aware of you in our stories. So come God. Be with us this evening as we, as we take the bread and we take the wine together. Amen. So just as you're ready, go and grab yourself a little, little bit of bread, a little bit of juice, and take communion together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.